Hello folks and welcome to the show again. I'm uh, glad you're still listening. <laughs> Today on the show I have Nelson Dallas. Nelson is a four-time USA Memory Champion and one of the leading memory experts in the world. He actually holds the title of uh, Memory Grandmaster and we had a really fun chat. Um, Nelson is also a mountaineer. He's been climbing mountains all over the world and started a nonprofit called uh, Climb for Memory. He also was on the documentary Memory Games, which is where I first learned about him. And it's a documentary I really suggest people watch. Uh, it's about him and other people who compete in memory uh, competitions all across the world. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, I hope you enjoy the show today. Here's Nelson Dellis. Hey, Nelson, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? I'm good. Good, man. Thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. No problem. Um, so, yeah, maybe, you know, for people who don't really know too much about you, maybe you could give them a little bit of background. I first saw you on uh, Memory Games, which was an amazing documentary. And, um, yeah, maybe kind of tell us a little bit about that experience and about you and your background. Yeah, sure. So I am a memory athlete. I compete in memory competitions around the world. Um, and I've won the U.S. championship four times over the years. I've become a grandmaster of memory and have set a number of or broken a number of U.S. memory records. Um, I now teach people how to do this. So this is not something I was born with uh, in terms of the skill, something I taught myself and really practiced very hard um, over a certain amount of time at the beginning. And um, now it's become my career and what I uh, do every day. So um, one of the things that a memory athlete does is it um, obviously tries to kind of share the knowledge with people because a lot of people don't know about these techniques. And oftentimes that involves a lot of interested parties, um, maybe wanting to do an interview or a podcast, uh, <laughs> uh, or, or sometimes in a rare case, uh, a documentary. And I was lucky enough to have a documentary follow me for a number of years. Um, and, you know, a lot of these things you say yes, you know, because you think it's going to be this huge movie and everything, and, but most of them don't even make it to, to fruition, you know? But yeah. And this one even was close to that. Uh, you know, it kept being another year, another year, another year. It wasn't coming out. And then eventually it got uh, bought by Netflix. So that's what is out there right now. Netflix just changed the game <laughs> completely. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So what, what kind of drew you to, or I mean, yeah, what kind of drew you to improving your memory? And is that something that you thought would become a career? Like, is that kind of the path you wanted to take or is this just you know, organically happen. Yeah, no, it definitely was not something I thought would be my career path. At the time, I don't really know if there was anyone who was like a professional mnemonist or whatever you would call a memory coach. Okay. Um, so that wasn't even a thing I was thinking about. It was really just for myself um, and self-improvement. Um, I started because my grandmother uh, struggled with her memory. She had Alzheimer's. Okay. And that's kind of where everything kind of sprang board from. And uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of stayed as a hobby, you know, as I was just kind of enjoying it on my own. And eventually more and more people would ask me, hey, can you teach me this um, or teach my employees? And eventually it became something I could make money from as well. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely someone in need of some uh, memory improvement. Uh, I, I feel like my long term is is okay, but definitely short term needs uh, needs a lot of improvement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I saw that you, you know, you did some work with, um, Jesse Itzler, who's, uh, he's a, a maniac and a genius all together. I watched some of the stuff that he does. I'm like, I, I don't know how he does this and how does he have even time in the day? But he's, uh, you know, he's a crazy genius. Um, how, how was that experience? Really, yeah. yeah. You know, um, that's, it's a funny story because I didn't really know of him until, my friend, um, a close friend of mine came on a Kilimanjaro trip that I organized and he was reading his book on the trip, the, the living with the, the seal, the book. David Goggins. Yeah. The David Goggins one. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I was like, Oh, that's a cool title. What's, what's the book like? He's like, Oh, it's great. You know, it's really easy to read. It's, it's just really motivational. This guy's, this guy's crazy, you know? <laughs> um, and funny, it was a funny book he was selling me. So, he kept bugging me. He was like, you know, you should ask this guy, Jesse, to come on our next Killy trip. Um, cause I do, I do these frequently. And so I actually was like, you know what? All right. I'll reach out. I reached out to him on Instagram. Um, cause I'd also seen kind of coincidentally that he had just turned 50 and he was doing some kind of like trying a bunch of new things in his 50th year. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he took some lessons for ping pong training. Um, I forget what else he did, but one of the things he said he was going to do was work with uh, a memory coach to improve his memory. And he mentioned this guy, Jim Quick, who is uh, another uh, memory kind of um, trainer. He doesn't compete, um, but he works with a lot of, uh, I don't want to say he's a Tony Robbins of memory because he's yeah. not, but <laughs> he, uh, he does a lot of events like that, you know, okay. gets people hyped up and stuff. Um, and so I, I messaged Jesse and I was like, first of all, I would love for you guys, you and, and your crew to come on a, a Killy trip. Um, if you're interested. Second, it says that you're going to start training with Jim quick. He's great and all, but I'm better. You should work <laughs> with me. And, uh, eventually that works. Um, so I was invited to his house, worked with him and his wife. And, um, I did an event with him a little bit afterwards and we're still in contact on some future projects as well. Wow. That's awesome, man. I mean, so it's, it's, a, it's a great lesson of, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get, exactly. so it was kind of like a shot in the dark. I was like, he'll never answer me. Um, and maybe I'm too presumptuous here kind of calling the other guy out, but whatever, maybe he'll take on that, you know, and, and he did. So that's how you have to do it, man. Like, uh, if you, if you look at all these guys, Gary V, Jesse, a bunch of these other guys, they like when, you know, people take initiative. And I think that's just which way you have to do if you want yeah. to be in the spotlight. Yeah. And that's, that's actually one of the things that really resonated with me and what he, uh, writes about in his like history, how he got things done is like, he promised something and then just kind of figure it out. Even if he really didn't have the chops or the connections or the skills to do what he was actually promising. Um, and I've, I've done that. I mean, I definitely have the chops with my memory uh, in terms of coaching, but I've done that for a lot of projects where it was way out of my league, but I just said yes for the opportunity. Yeah. And, um, and, and figured it out. I always figure it out. Yep. That's awesome. I think most people have that capacity to do that in the moment, you know, when, when it comes down to it. Yeah. So, so how do you become a grand, what the grand master uh, memory? Champ, is that the is that the term? 
A Grandmaster of Memory is okay. just the title. Okay. Um, it's a specific kind of, uh, of achievement that you can get at the, the World Championships um, when you accomplish certain uh, levels, I guess, of, 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 of skill. And so you have to memorize uh, one deck of cards in at least two minutes, which is pretty easy. Um, if you're, if you're <laughs> that does not if sound easy. That does not sound easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, you have to memorize ten decks of cards in an hour. Okay. Um, and then you have to memorize a thousand digits in an hour. Those wow. are the three requirements, and you need to do that at a world championship. Wow. So, yeah, I believe there was one other um, world. Uh, sorry, American Grandmaster of Memory. Uh, mm-hmm. Before me, but he's kind of a technicality because he was actually dual citizen. Actually, was mostly British. Um, oh, he, he's cheating! Yeah. He's cheating! Then that's that's does, well, doesn't count. It doesn't count. I gotta be honest. <laughs> I'm also a dual citizen, so maybe it doesn't count for me either. But I, <laughs> I feel more American than anything. I, that guy spoke British. He lived in England. I don't think he'd ever lived in the U.S. So, um, so there. <laughs> I, I think it comes down to the accent. As long as you have the accent, you're you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I just came back from Italy now. And okay. as soon as I got back to the US, I realized I forgot my SIM card, my American SIM card somewhere in Italy. So, oh, damn. Yeah. So I had to go, you know, to, to, to T-Mobile, get the whole thing. It was actually pretty easy, but I was just like, I can't believe I lost this little thing. And then, you yeah. know, I, it kind of correlates. I was like, just how good is your memory? Like, do you have, do you have a calendar? Do you lose your keys? You know, there's like day-to-day stuff. Is that like, you know, it was like six o'clock. I was like, he's, there's, there's just no, it was when it, when it was six Oh one, I was like, there's no way he he's not going to remember <laughs> the, the podcast. You know oh, what right. I mean? It's like, I was just wondering like day-to-day, like do you forget stuff or is that just not, 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 you know, not a thing. Um, you know, so when I started this stuff, um, I was very, very, um, I don't want to say it like inspired by, I mean, I was, I, I was just like, everything was brand new and shiny. So for a number of years, I really practiced what I preached. So I was, I was, you know, one of the best memorizers in the U S and also in everyday life, I was remembering a lot. Um, but then I trained more and more and I just realized I'd get a lot, very burned out, uh, just always being on. Um, and so nowadays you know, it depends what time of year. If I'm training for something, then mm-hmm. I put all my efforts into that. And then when it's, you know, kind of time to not train, I just kind of not shut off, but I, I don't try as hard. So I do forget stuff is what I'm saying. Um, and it's usually when I'm in these states of, um, you know, kind of lax and being a little more chill. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it, it does take an effort on my part to do this. Um, not like something that's really annoying. I actually enjoy doing it, Yeah. but sometimes I also like to just, uh, not have to think, you know? Yeah. That, that makes sense. Um, so you, so you're still active. You still compete in, um, yeah. in these memory competitions. Yeah. There's the U S championship later this year, which I'm uh, training for. So what is, what is kind of give us a rough idea of what training for this entails? Do you just sit with, with the deck of cards? Is like, do you know, kind of the games or the competitions that they're going to have in advance and you prepare for those or how does it work? Yeah, that's the idea. So uh, the events are always the same. Um, and it's just a matter of 
you know, practicing, getting better at them every year, trying to improve just a little bit and um, kind of train for a competition setting. So to deal with the pressure and all that stuff, Um, because just training at your house isn't always going to translate to a championship, you know, because there's this added level of pressure and distractions. Um, So I often do a lot of training to emulate those kinds of scenarios as well. Yeah, it's kind of like how you have. So I've been, you know, I've been a Muay Thai guy for the last 10, 12 years, roughly. And okay. and you'll see guys in the gyms that are just phenomenal at sparring, but then they just don't do well in competition. They just, for some reason, <laughs> yeah. the, the pressure of competition or, you know, I don't know if it's people looking or the, the pressure of potentially looking stupid by getting knocked out, but they just don't do it. And then in the gym, they just they kill people. So... It's wow. yeah, yeah. It's you know, I definitely get that. Um, are they competitive? The the competitions, like, is there like an atmosphere of, of competition, or or are people, you know, pretty kind of supportive of each other, or both? Um, I don't know. No, yeah, it's both, really. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of competition. People want this title, um, or they want a record, you know, and it's <laughs> it's like they've trained really hard for it, and sometimes there's some kind of mind games that people play with each other. I'm, I'm definitely someone who's done that too. Um, (laughs) but at the same time, we're all very close. Um, we share, you know, what we know and our secrets, there's really no secrets. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's an interesting kind of vibe at these competitions because there is a competition, but we're all kind of really good friends too. And is it the same people, uh, like the same people from the documentary or do you see new faces each year? Yeah, it's it's a lot of those guys. Uh, those are a lot of those people in the film I know very well. I've known them for probably almost 10 years now. But um, yeah, eventually you get new faces and that's what pushes the sport because these newcomers can do new things and, and they push the envelope. So yeah, it's a mix of all that. Oh, it's awesome. Um, oh, it's pretty cool. So wait, so I, I saw that, well, actually we spoke via email a little bit and uh you told me you were going to Kilimanjaro which is something I definitely want to you know participate in maybe next yeah. year but sure. uh, yeah, yeah. How, how was that experience did, yeah, did, did you guys commented right yeah we had um 23 people oh, wow. um and uh 21 of us got to the top had a couple of people that um got sick which can happen altitude sickness yeah yep, yeah exactly so it was, um, it wasn't your first time, right? You've done it a few times. Yeah, no, I've done it a few times. Um, it's kind of a side business that I do. I run a company that kind of organizes these kind of adventures and uh, Kilimanjaro is something that I, I try to do at least once a year. People love it and it's a great goal. It's, it's, it's really achievable. Uh, if you put in the time to train, um, and, uh, it's, it's not too technical. So people can, you know, go to the, the highest point on the African continent. Yeah. Um, you know, in just a week, it's great. How many times have you, have you summited already? The, uh, that was my third. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, from, you know, from what I understand, it's relatively easy. I mean, obviously not easy cause you still, it's like 19,000 feet or something. So yeah. it's, it's still pretty high up, but like, as far as the hike, it's not too technical and it's, no, no, it's no, doable. I mean, the, the the hard part is the altitude. Yeah, um, the last day it's a lot of altitude gains, so it can really uh, beat some people up. 
Yeah. I, I tried, um, well, I, I, no, I didn't summit, um, three years ago, I think it was, uh, Rainier and oh, yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's 14, I believe 14,420 for 10, 10, for 10. 10. Okay. Yeah. 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 I want to remember, <laughs> <laughs> but man, it's, it's grueling. It's, it's not an easy mountain at all. It's, um, no, yeah, it's no joke. You, yeah. So you didn't get that. Where did you get to? Uh, ironically enough, uh, I believe it was called disappointment cleaver. Disappointment cleaver. Yeah. yeah. And that's there where I know. had to, you know, <laughs> turn around in a very ironic sense. But, um, yeah, <laughs> it, it kind of sucked. And that was my second time. The first time we had to turn around because, um, there were avalanche scares. So okay. I went twice and I didn't summit twice and it really sucked. Damn. Yeah. So wait, you, you tr had two attempts on the same trip or it was a separate trip? No, no. I, uh, first time was, um, maybe like five years ago. And then the second time was about three years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I vowed, I vowed to come back and, and I'm going to do it maybe, maybe this year or next. I don't know. Well, I'll have to see, but I definitely, you know, I, I, I love the experience. I loved everything about it. Like, it's super scenic, like paradise in, in, in Rainier National Park is beautiful. Yeah. And the climate's oh, fun and, and, uh, and uh, you know, the, the guiding, uh, the, the guides are, are super, like everything's just great. So did you, uh, what, what company did you use? Uh, RMI. RMI. Okay. Yeah. I think nice. they're like the biggest out there. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just the whole experience is, is, you know, great. But I know that, you know, I, I've, I follow you on Instagram and, you know, I read the post and I saw that you also had, uh, you know, summits that didn't pan out in Everest, which is a hundred times worse than just going to Washington. You're going to the other side of the, the, you know, the earth and the whole earth, planning yeah. and, you know, the physical and the mental that goes into it. And, um, so, so kind of can you walk us through maybe what happened on those summits that, you know, didn't pan out that I don't know that you didn't end up summiting. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, as, as, as you probably know, I mean, climbing a mountain isn't a sure thing to get to the top. Yeah. It's just a bonus. Um, and so many things have to go right, especially on these longer, um, more remote expeditions. And, you know, sometimes there's weather, sometimes you're sick, sometimes the conditions are just not right. And, yeah, I think you have to be smart enough to just say, okay, I'll, I'll just pack it up and come back another time. Uh, and unfortunately on Everest, for example, that's where I've had to turn around, uh, three times near the summit. Uh, once I was sick, once I had equipment malfunction, another time it was just too cold. And, wow. you know, I don't know, you know, other people summited those nights. So maybe, you know, maybe I could have pushed, but, I'm always very cautious. And to me, that was pushing too far. So I think I made the right decision and, you know, I'm still here today, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's the important thing. You know, there's, um, I don't know if you read, um, Ed Vister's book, um, no shortcuts. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was yeah. actually one of the first, uh, climbing books I've ever read. The same. That was, I think that was, that was kind of what turned me on into to mountaineering uh, after reading that book. Oh, nice. You know, he's, he's, he's an incredible individual, but he also, you know, turned back. I think it was two, 300 feet away from the summit of Everest. Um, if I'm not mistaken. So you have to yeah. be smart because, you know, getting, getting to the top is just, you know, that's just half the job. So yeah, no, you're totally right. So do you, so are you planning to go back next year? Um, 
Well, I was going to try to go this year. We're uh, kind of expecting another child. So I had oh, to. Oh, Mazel Tov. Thank you. I had to postpone that. Um, so I'm aiming either for next year or the year after. Okay. And and uh, who do you, do you go in, as part of a team or do you bring a team with you? How does that work? Yeah, I, I, yeah I've used this company uh, already for two years and I plan to use them again. Um, so it's, it's just, I, I know the owner of the company, the climber and his team of Sherpas. So uh, I like that familiarity when I'm out there. So I'll, I'll probably be using them again. That's nice. Yeah. So how did you kind of originally get into it? Like, uh, do you start, you know, small mountains, like, you know, 14 here in the U S and then gradually kind of escalated to, uh, to the bigger ones over in, uh, on the other side of the world in uh, Nepal and India. And yeah. Stuff? I actually started with Rainier. I did a course on that mountain. Um, actually I was just wanting to climb Rainier. Really? And, uh, I, um, it was an IMG. It was, uh, Alpine Ascents. It was yeah, all booked yeah. except for their Denali prep course, which was eight days. And okay. so I was like, whatever, I'll just do that. Um, so we were eight days on the mountain. We summited. Um, and then, you know, it was really a, a prep course for climbing Mount McKinley or Denali. Yeah. So the next logical step, you know, at the end of the trip, I was like, well, okay, I guess Denali. <laughs> Test that high altitude a little more. And so I did that. And then once I did that, I kind of started thinking about Everest. And I know a lot of people go and do like Aconcagua or, mm -hmm. or Chiliu, 8,000 meter peak. Um, but I was like, I don't have that much money. I, I really need to be smart. So <laughs> I got about, um, I, I got to start uh, fundraising and, and trying to, to raise money for uh, a charity that I started that would use this climb as its first kind of fundraising event. Um, I kind of paired them together and uh, went out and got sponsors and everything, um, which wasn't easy, but I managed. And uh, yeah, from then, uh, you know, I, I've, like I said, I did Everest three times over the past 10 years. And in between, you know, I've done other peaks and stuff like that. But um, I love being out in the Himalayas on these uh, massive expeditions. There's nothing like it. Yeah, I can imagine. I've uh, I've never been, but that's definitely you know it's on the bucket list. Something I just you know like you said, there's like there's there's levels. You have to kind of start with the with some of the smaller ones. Maybe Aconcagua, maybe Denali, which I heard was actually you know super super difficult Denali. So you know some some I think they call it like the mini Everest or something. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, some people yeah, debate on that, but it's uh, it's definitely a tough one. Uh, I think mostly because of the weather, it's pretty brutal, and the remoteness. Yeah. Do you have um? Is is would you say Everest is your favorite one? Um, or I mean, at the moment, I have a real strong fixation on it because it's like this thing that I need to, you know, finish that's yeah. incomplete in my life, and so. Yeah, I have a really special bond with it at this point. Um, but I, I have this feeling that as soon as I summit it, I'm going to be like, all right, what's next? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. what is next? Do you, are, are there, you know, are there any bucket list ones you want to you wanna finish? Any other, you know, big uh, 8,000 meter peaks or something back back in the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, uh, secretly, I don't really tell people this, but I, I do want to go to K2. Um, you know, it's another one. ballpark 
but uh, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a strong climber. I, th- I think I could um, at least give it a nice uh, attempt. Yeah. What else? Um, I'm also, I, I'm really loving what I'm doing. I, I mean, I love climbing the Alps. There's a bunch of peaks in the Alps that I'd love to go and, uh, and tackle. And those are really not easy, but they're logistically easy, right? You can just go to Chamonix and yeah. just kind of eat nice, sleep nice, and just kind of <laughs> sleep but in the, the huts and, and but do some more technical, right? That's true. Yeah. More technical. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, uh, like I said, I was just in Italy and whenever you're in the Alps, there's just this, this feeling of vastness that you just, I don't, I don't think you get anywhere else. It's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's what kind of draws me to that. Um, experience, like climbing these mountains is just how you, you just feel so small and, and the expanse of the mountains around you is just so, I don't know, awe-inspiring. No, definitely. There's, um, you know, there, there's also you see a difference. Like I've, you know, I've kind of cli- only climbed a little bit, but you know, I, I love either hiking or snowboarding. So I've gone and I've I've, I've been to Japan and, and places in, in Europe and and the U.S. and a little bit in in, in the South America. And you you know, you could see like it's very different, like mountains and the snow and just the, the topography, everything's just, everywhere you go, some it's, there's a little bit difference. It's not all the same and every place has got its beauty and it's, you know, harshness. And, you know, I just, I love to travel and, and see the difference in between these places. Yeah. That's, that's an awesome part about traveling to places and, and climbing. I love that part too. So the um, the nonprofit that you started is that um, Climb for Memory. That's right. Yeah, it's called Climb for Memory. So what do you, what do you do in the um, you know in the nonprofit? There's uh, what's the what's the goal? Yeah. So it's the goal is to raise awareness and funds for Alzheimer's disease. So um, you know when I first started the Memory World, uh, I was very surprised that not not many people still today know about keeping your brain healthy and, and mm-hmm. memory techniques, and what it means to have a healthy brain. So I kind of made it my initiative to kind of spread that message. Um, and then in some kind of aggressive way, try to uh, raise awareness uh, and, and money towards research. So I thought the only way I could do that, um, at least at the time, because I wasn't very well known was maybe I'll, I'll climb something really big um, that'll turn some people's heads. And so Everest kind of was an obvious thing. I was thinking about it anyways. And uh, I started with these big expeditions and um, uh, worked with some different um, Alzheimer's kind of platforms. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's now turned into something where I, I instead of just me climbing, uh, I, I bring people on these these trips um, and organize them, and then they help also raise money and and, and awareness for the disease through those trips. Well, yeah, it's. Um... Yeah, that's. It, I think it's not something you hear about, you know, as much. It's not one of the, not wrong word to use, but popular or more talked about diseases. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. People kind of get uncomfortable talking about it. I don't know. And, and even if you know, the, the people get scared when they start to forget things, and they think, you know, am I five Alzheimer's? Am I you know, what's my future look like? So it's definitely something people are very 
um, afraid of, but they're also kind of quiet about it, which is not a good combo. No, definitely, because there's there's some sort of a there's a little bit of a, a shame around it, right? Like, oh, I'm I'm forgetful or I'm not as sharp as I used to be. There's something that kind of hurts your ego a little bit. So I feel like maybe people don't want to open up about it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. So do you get a lot of requests nowadays to you know to kind of do what 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 you did with uh, Jesse Itzler or you know go to people's houses or or tutor them or, or, you know, just maybe lecture about how to improve uh, people's memory and, and brain health overall? Yeah, I mean, more and more uh, opportunities keep coming up. Um, the Jesse Itzler, Sarah Blakely one definitely helped. Um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of riding that and seeing how things are going. But for now, it's it's pretty good. Are there a couple of tips you can give for, you know, just generally what, 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 what can people do to improve their memory? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, the general process for memorizing anything is really always the same. It's, uh, imagine pictures for what you're trying to memorize. So instead of the actual information that you've got in front of you, you want to try to memorize some kind of image in your mind that represents that thing. The second thing is to anchor it to something that you already know. Um, the way we learn and the way things stick is when, you know, you take this foreign concepts that you're trying to understand or learn, and you basically make an example of how that would relate to something that you do understand, right? So if I'm trying to explain to you uh, quantum physics, right, it's very complicated, let's say. Um, and if I make some very uh, easy metaphor or analogy to kind of a real life situation or, I don't know, something that you know well, maybe you're, uh, I, I describe it in terms of Star Wars or something like, you know, um, then that's, you're on your way to learning it. And that's the same idea with memorizing is, is if I can turn these complicated things into pictures that are meaningful to me and then anchor them to kind of things or associations to things that I already have firmly planted in my mind, um, then I can make it stick easier. And then the last step is to just kind of uh, consolidate that information by reviewing it, um, using it, um, and accessing as often as possible at first so that you kind of develop this neural pathway that's uh, quicker and better lubricated, let's say, so you can access it quicker, you know? So if you're sitting with a deck of cards, and you want to start remembering each card, you, mm -hmm. you give, you know, you paint a picture, you put a picture, you associate a picture with each card, and then you anchor that or it, to, you know, to, you associate that with, with something familiar or something that you associate with that card. Yep. So the, that, that's the general idea. So every card for me has a preset image that I've learned. And so when I see the card, I, you know, I see my mom for the queen of hearts or I see ace of diamonds is me um, and so on. Uh, and what I do is when I see those cards in an order, what I, my method of anchoring them is uh, placing them in um, locations that um, I experience. So like my house um, and I'll imagine placing those characters, which represent the order of the cards around my house or around my parents' house. And the idea is that that's a place I know like the back of my hand. I don't have to think about it. And if I can just imagine walking through it the way I would normally walk through it from the front door, you know, to the kitchen and so on, 
um, that will preserve the order and help me remember all of those individual characters, which then can turn or translate back into the card. So it has to be something familiar. It has to be something that, you know, you either experience day to day or something maybe from your childhood or something that is just clicks right away for you. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, but uh, those happen to be, I think, better, stronger. And is there a difference between focusing on on things that are maybe short term memory or or and, and then long term memory? Like if you want to remember, you know, um, you know, a deck of cards, I would say that's short term. But then if you want to remember something from two or three years ago, is there a different? Are there different methods to to working on those things? Um, not really. It's really how you treat the information once you've put it in your head. Um, so if you want it in your long term, then you have to review it more frequently and often uh, over time. If you want to just use it once and then you're done, then you don't review it. You don't think about it. So, you know, with a deck of cards, let's say I memorize one right now. Um, and then you're going to test me on it in a year but I can never look at the cards again. I, that's no problem. Um, all I have to do is just, you know, be good about reviewing that deck of cards um, frequently, I don't know, for the next few days, uh, and then uh, maybe less frequently, but still frequently for the next few weeks. And then eventually I don't have to, frequ- uh, I don't have to review it as frequently, but maybe once a month. Um, by the end of the year, I'll still know that deck of cards, you know? Yeah, but I could easily just say I don't want to know that deck of cards, which is what often happens. And um, you know, past recall, I won't uh, think about it, and then I'll forget it eventually. So, do people not want to play poker with you? <laughs> yeah, no, I guess not all the time. But it's different, right? It's not. It's not the same as counting cards. Like, yeah, it's, it's not quite the same. It's yeah. a different skill set. But uh, you know, memory is. Useful in, in, in card games for sure. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Um, so yeah, so I saw that you were on, um, on that, on the show. Um, I believe it was, uh, what's that Mark Cuban with Mark Cuban? Was it brain game or brain? Yeah, yeah no, it was brain games. Yeah. yeah. Brain games. Um, Sorry. I, uh, yeah. Again, memory. Um, <laughs> uh, so how, how, how was that experience? He seems like a cool guy. How, how did he do, um, you know, it was kind of like a spoiler on on Instagram, but uh, how did how did he end up doing? Yeah, no, he did really well. Uh, he's a smart guy. Picked it up really quick. You know, I got some time behind the scenes to just me and him to talk, and for me to explain to him kind of the technique behind the task he had to do, and uh, he got it. Um, I, I don't even think they had to really edit anything from his take, like it was really what it was. Um, and he, I was really surprised. He, he's a, he's, he's a billionaire for a reason, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. There's always, um, I always kind of like question all these shows with the editing and how much the, um, you know, it's kind of like when you see on, um, I don't know, on, on these, uh, singing shows where, uh, the judges know everything, but they act surprised and it's just, it always seems a yeah. little bit fake to me, but yeah, it's good. Uh, it's good to know that he was, uh, he was a real deal. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, cool. So, I mean, 
you know, I don't want to take too much of your time. I know you're a busy guy, but um, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast. It was uh, a blast to learn more about memory and, and how to improve. And, you know, I'm definitely going to try and uh, implement a few of the things that we talked about. And Great, uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, I'll definitely keep in touch. I'll let you know maybe next year, this year, or next year, we'll see. Maybe I can uh, jump on one of those Kilimanjaro yeah, trips. Nice. Yeah, man, that oh, yeah. sounds sick. Um, nice. Yeah, and where can uh, yeah. no, I just want to where where can people uh, find you on uh, social media? Yeah, um, my website's nelsondellis.com. Uh, my Instagram is at nelzor n e l z o r. I should really change that. That's like something <laughs> I invented ten years ago. I think I have one of the early. I, I may have downloaded that app when it first came out. Um, Anyways, uh, so Nelzor, yeah. and then on YouTube, I have a bunch of videos um, on memory techniques that people can check out. Just search yeah. my name. Those are awesome. And then, uh, yeah, and then I got my book. It's called Remember It. You can find it on Amazon. And then check out that uh, Netflix documentary called Memory Games. Yeah, guys, you should definitely check it out. It, uh, it's awesome. And there's another girl, uh, uh, Yanja, I believe her name was. Yeah, Yanja. Yeah. And yeah, she was she was amazing as well. Um, maybe I'll have her on the, on the podcast as well. So, um, yeah, yeah sure. thanks so much again. And, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. It was a pleasure. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. See ya. See ya. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch.